0: Hello everybody, and this is the BearCast Media Bengals Recap Show. I am Justin Cashman, he is Alex Frank, and he is Preston. We are finally through one week of Cincinnati Bengals football. There's a lot to get into, and uh, let's go ahead and get started. So, uh, as you all probably know, the Bengals lost 16-13 to against the Los Angeles Chargers this Sunday, um, Joe Burrow's debut, and I think that there's a lot that we got from it. There's a lot that we learned and there's a lot that we still have questions about
1: so just initial reactions alex we'll start with you what did you think first off that was a very cool methodical open there i'm surprised that you're not like ready to just vent after a loss yesterday that was so uh, people were people on national tv are saying that the Bengals got bangled yesterday or joe burrow got bangled yesterday with the way the Bengals lost the game but i'm going to tell you uh what i saw yesterday look yesterday's loss was frustrating because it was a game that despite all the uh, missed opportunities, mistakes, the Bengals had an opportunity to win the game. Not what, Forget about tying the game. They had an opportunity to win the game. They were three yards away with 15 seconds remaining. If you would have told me that after Mixon's fumble, Burrow's interception, all the uh, missed opportunities, which we'll get into uh, later on in the show, if you would have told me that the Bengals would, ha- would have an opportunity to tie or win the game, I would have gladly taken it. But it's so frustrating because this is a game the Bengals should have won. You look at you look at how they started, you look at all the opportunities they had and I don't even know like what you all remember but like I'm watching film today there was a fourth down stop after the touchdown and then the Bengals gave it right back. There was at the end of the first half the Bengals decided to go conservative on offense. They had to punt the Chargers go 61 yards in 33 seconds to kick a field goal and I mean, look, it may not have meant a lot at the time. Actually, it did, and it was three points in a three-point game. So there were so many missed opportunities. Um, you're up ten to six, and you have a third and two of the twenty-five-yard line. Run the ball in that situation. That was the drive that led to Bullock's second midfield field goal. Run the ball in that situation. You're on. You're at third and two with a rookie quarterback. I know it's Joe Burrow, and you know he, he comes. He came in with so much hype because of all that he did at LSU last year. But it's frustrating. But at the same time. There are so many, there are a lot of positives to take away. The fact that Joe Burrow was able to bounce back after an egregious mistake, the interception to Melvin Ingram, and put the Bengals' offense into position to, at least we thought for sure, tie the game and win the game even. So there's a lot of positives to be encouraged by. And the best part about this is they only have to taste this for three days. Because they're playing Thursday night, and part of that is going to be part of that time is going to be travel time, which is are always great bonding experiences. So they don't even so they may not even be thinking about it. But I'm gonna bet you that they're going to be motivated going into Thursday night. Preston, what do you think?
2: I think that the game itself did not have a whole lot of surprises to me, and if anything, I would say the surprises were almost pleasant surprises. The way the defense played. Actually, I thought that that was better than they would have played. The defense was actually very impressive to me. And as far as Joe Burrow goes, I think Joe Burrow played about exactly how I would have imagined. He's Joe Burrow. We saw him bounce back at the end. He's the Joe Burrow that we thought he might be um, coming out of LSU, being the number one pick. That last drive at the end, that's that's just as cool and calm as we wanted him to be. That was, and as a rookie, I think that was absolutely outstanding. He played like a rookie at times, made a couple mistakes. Um, And then the offense itself was, you know, a little bit... You know, a little bit uh, iffy at times, but um, in the end, they we drove down the field, we had a chance to win, and I think that as far as the game go- has gone, I think that the, the Bengals probably outplayed the Chargers, had plenty of chances to win, and just in the end, uh, in the end, some unfortunate things happened. And the Chargers ended up with a W, but I was I was I was very pleased with the Bengals performance.
1: The defensive stat, the defensive numbers that the Bengals posted yesterday, they allowed three hundred and sixty-two total yards, one fifty-five on the ground, two oh seven through the air. They did hold the Chargers twice on fourth down, which were two really critical fourth down plays throughout the course of the game yesterday. And third downs the Chargers were at thirty-eight percent versus the Bengals who were at forty-three percent. Uh, They allowed 19 first downs. Bengals also had 19, and the time of possession was only a 20-second difference despite being in favor of Los Angeles. So I think, Preston, you're absolutely right with the defense playing really well, especially the Chargers had three red zone trips and twice had to settle for field goals. Uh, We look uh, at—I don't want to get too much there, Justin. I know you want to mention what you thought about yesterday, but I thought Joe Burrow uh, played— like a rookie through the first three and a half quarters, but those last two drives take away the interception. I saw a lot of things I liked. Uh, you know, he he made some, I mean, he made some great throws to Michael Thomas, Tyler Boyd, uh, Uzama got in on the action, Bernard. He was throwing the ball around, and it's, I, it, it was so fun to watch. Yeah, and
0: I I completely agree with you, and I don't think it was really until that fourth quarter there where we really saw Burrow trying to spread the wealth on offense. You know, he started to target green early and often, which, I don't know about you, but I was actually kind of surprised about I thought he was going to target more, of you know, Tyler Boyd and probably his tight ends, Uzama, which he did later on in the game and drew sample just because, you know, a tight end is, is typically a rookie quarterback's best friend. But, you know, he did target green early and often, and I wasn't sure how much we were going to see that because I kind of expected a limited snap count for green. And, uh, you know, I think that as the game went on, as the offensive line started to play a little better, we really saw this offense start to open up because I don't know about you, but I know Well, actually no. we did talk about this a little bit that I was just waiting for the, almost the entire first half where when are we really going to start opening up this offense when are we going to start taking these deep shots down the field and it really wasn't until as the game progressed and the offensive line played better that you know we saw those throws downfield to green and you know he um Burrow unfortunately did have the overthrow to green in the end zone and then Ross had that you know that pass that seemed to go right through his hands in the back of the end zone so but as far as Burroughs play, I think that just like Preston said, you know, he played like a rookie. He made those rookie mistakes, and I think that he understands. I don't know if you watch his interview after, but he gave himself a D grade. Mm-hmm. He understands that those are just rookie mistakes. Those are things that he's gonna do, and he has to learn from those. And if he doesn't, and if he doesn't make those mistakes now, he's gonna make them as the season goes on. And I think it's better that he gets those, you know, those jitters, those mistakes out now, because you know he only has a game in a few days. And the yeah. m- more he gets out now, you know, the more he's going to learn from those mistakes as the season progresses.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a great point, Justin, that you bring up there. And I, I read the entire transcript from what Joe Burrow, uh, his postgame press conference yesterday, and that that was a really good quote there, the fact he gave himself a D. I mean, I, I would have loved it even more if he had said an F because it, the Bengals didn't win the game. But for Burrow to give himself a D, I mean, that shows, and he said it earlier last week, remember, that he that he's not just here to uh, you know go 500 and all that. He's here to win games and win championships. I and mean, he he it sounded like he he meant that in his post game press conference yesterday. But there were so many other things that stood out to me from that. You know, he, the, he, they talk about the touchdown that he had and you know what they what he saw in that play and what he did. And he, first thing he said was, "Well, it was great then, but it didn't ma- it doesn't matter now." Uh, and then oh by the way just because you know he's trying to be he's trying to be I guess eh, courteous with the media maybe he explained the play I mean he's not he's not gonna be a, a excuse my well I mean he's not gonna be like all crappy with the media and all that um, so I, I like a lot of what he said he's owning up to all the mistakes he made like I mean he and he, is he being hard on himself? yeah but uh, he's gotten somewhere.
2: Yeah, I think that when you look at a, especially look at a quarterback, a rookie quarterback, you have to expect the rookie mistakes at times, maybe some iffy decision-making at times. What you do not expect from every rookie quarterback, and what Joe Burrow has always done, and he continued to do uh, yesterday, was the leadership role and the ability to, he made the mistake, well, I w- he made a bad mistake, it was, it was, a, dumb, it was a dumb pass, it's, it was a rookie mistake, his ability to, to, on the next drive, lead them down the field. And if, if A.J. Green is not called for that offensive pass interference, if that's a touchdown, that is a storybook way for Joe Burrow to, to debut his career. And that's something that I think is remembered. And so, and then, I don't know if you saw after the game, I think it was Jonah Williams said that Joe Burrow went around the locker room and mm-hmm. asked every player how they were doing. I mean, that's leadership that you do not exactly expect from a rookie quarterback and that's something that Joe Burrow brings to the table. And that's that's a reason why I was very impressed with Joe Burrow.
1: It goes back to the point I, I made last week. It's the fact that Joe Burrow wants to be in this role. He wants to embrace, you know, what being a leader means. I mean, uh, number one overall pick in the draft, Heisman Trophy winner, national champion, national championship. I mean, a- anyone is very, very susceptible to letting their ego get in the way when they have all those accomplishments. But guess what? Joe Burrow's not that guy because he it's his upbringing. It's this journey to where... To what got him to the top of the college football mountain last year, and now you know coming to the Bengals, he understands that this franchise needs leadership from the quarterback, and they have not had that. Really, I mean, I, I remember Carson Palmer. You know, he was a you know a good he was a good quarterback on the field, but like very dry. He didn't have a personality. Andy Dalton, um, I I wouldn't even say he was a great leader. He was okay, uh, but it's just Joe Burrow what you see in, as far as being a leader. like He, he wasn't named a captain for no reason. Yeah. There's a reason why he was named the captain. And what's interesting, Preston, about that is, if I can go to the drive summary here, that you mentioned the final drive of him being able to, to come back and, and lead the, the offense down the field after throwing the interception to Melvin Ingram. That last drive was 14 plays and 84 yards, and it took three minutes and six seconds off the clock. I mean, for a rookie, I mean, sometimes you kind of have to remind yourself that Joe Burrow is a rookie, even though he has all these accolades. For him to be able to do that, that was a, that, you know, that's a, a huge, uh, t- a testament to his resiliency. We talked about it last week; he was down ten to Clemson in the national championship, and he and the LSU offense, and LSU as a team, they outscored them thirty-five to eight after that. So for him to come back and. I think the Bengals were kind of lucky, were kind of fortunate to even get the ball back in that situation because they were out of timeouts. We'll get to that in a minute because I want to talk about the way Zach Taylor coached the game yesterday. That was a huge win for Joe Burrow. Even though he may not think about it, we're going to think about that because we obviously want him to do well. You have to think about that. And not
0: to even mention, he was 8 of 10 on that drive with 70 passing yards. Granted, they did have to go through the air because they kind of burned that last timeout late. And so, you know. he's you know and he was targeting several guys uzama green ross ross had that unfortunate you know mishandling of the ball going out of bounds and uh he did
1: make a critical catch earlier in the drive though
0: oh yeah yeah and so ross uzama green i think he hit bernard on a pass so you know he was utilizing all of his weapons and then you know i don't think to anyone any really anyone's surprise you have your best wide receiver aj green on the three yard line of course you're going to probably target him and that was an unfortunate offensive pass interference call um, Which the more I watched that play, I don't think it should have been called. No, I mean it was a bang-bang play. It's cuz I've earlier on in the game, I don't know if you remember that Mike Williams um he they they were showing a replay of him extending his arm and I think that that could have easily been an offensive pass interference call. So
1: Which catch was that?
0: Uh I think it was an incomplete pass by and oh man, I'd have to go back to it, but um I think the referees just have to be more consistent when they're calling those kinds of plays because you know, if it's earlier on in the second half and it's a, you know, a three-point game, it might not be as important, but when you're down on the goal line and it's a three and I mean, you're down on the 3-yard line and you're, you know, a touchdown away from winning the game, I think that those calls is where you, are where you need to be the most consistent. Um, but I just want to touch on like AJ Green's uh, importance for Burrow in this game because obviously this was his first game back since December of 2018 and I mentioned earlier how surprised I was with how early and often he targeted Green. I don't know about you. What do you have to say about Green and his importance in this game?
1: Well, he led the Bengals in targets, receptions, and yards. So uh, look, his his impact that he makes on the offense, we talked about it, because it forces opposing defenses to now have to remember, okay, how do we defend this guy? And then you have to keep in mind, they still have Tyler Boyd. Um, I, was, I was a little disappointed in the fact that Burrow didn't target Boyd a whole lot early because the reports out of training camp were that the chemistry between the two were incredible. But, or was incredible, excuse me. But you look at A.J. Green, a rookie quarterback's going to throw to his best wide receiver, which, which is A.J. Green. I mean, when he's on the field, because, and now you're seeing it, early on in his career, Um, AJ Green, the one thing that he always would, he was such a vertical wide receiver. Now you're seeing him being more like a horizontal guy. He can run, you know, those inside slant routes. And I think what that's a testament to is that he's leaner now than he was earlier in his career. So when he's on the field, like it, it just gives you like a security blanket. And because he's so athletic and because he can burn opposing defenses so easily, that, that's, that helps Joe Burrow, and it makes opposing defenses have to respect him. And it was great to see him back out there just in top form. Five catches for 51 yards. And I also think, I brought this, I texted you this yesterday, Justin, during the game. I said, um, are we saving a little bit of what we're trying to do offensively for Cleveland? Because when you have two games in five days, you do have to kind of think about that. And and when the Bengals and when you have a rookie quarterback, I I get it. I know it's Joe Burrow. I get it. But at the same time, you have to think about okay, you have two games in five days with a rookie quarterback, and you're playing on the road. You can say oh well, it's just in Cleveland. You're still traveling. Um. So, I I wonder if they if the Bengals were doing that, trying to be a little conservative. They did run AJ Green on a vertical route uh, in the third quarter, which is the which was the overthrow, and if. Burrow makes that throw and, and Green makes the catch. I mean, who knows where the game goes, but I was impressed with what I saw and hopefully it carries over uh into Thursday night.
2: Yeah, I was also very impressed with AJ Green. I thought that um that we're gonna talk about it being Joe Burrow's first game, Jonah Williams' first game. I mean, this is AJ Green's first game and what you said since the middle of twenty eighteen season. Um that that's a long time to be out of the NFL and especially I mean he's he's thirty two now correct 32 mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I mean that that's at his age that's 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 a ways that's a while to be out of the NFL and I thought there was maybe a catch or two that he that he would have made um if he would have been playing this whole time but I think that the ability for him to bounce back A.J. Green that is I thought that was that was very impressive at A.J. Green I thought that he had a really good game and I think that A.J. Green as well as Joe Burrow and Jonah Williams is just going to continue to progress as he comes back from these injuries.
1: And for not having a preseason, and for not having a vert, and for not having any offseason programming, and the fact that A.J. Green, when you combine that he hasn't played since December 2018, it just makes that performance uh, a little more noteworthy and a little bit more impressive even.
0: Absolutely. Impressive. You mentioned Jonah Williams. He was my pick for the key player of the game for this week, and I think that just like just like we mentioned last week I mean just like Burrow this is his first ever live snaps in an NFL game and I think that in the first half the entire offensive line struggled I know that him not as much as Bobby Hart which we'll talk about in a minute <laughs> but I think Williams held his own in the in the second half he you know he got pushed back a little bit I think you saw those you know those bad rookie plays just like Burrow had um but I just want to talk about this offensive line a little bit because I don't think With Xavier Suafilo already being ruled out for the game on Thursday. uh, Zach Taylor Taylor announced today, yeah. So Billy Price is going to be starting in his place, which Mm. we all know, which we know how Billy Price has been through (laughs) his first few years. Um, Are you guys concerned at all about this offensive line? Because we saw how bad Burrow got beat, and I'm surprised he wasn't on the injury report today. And I think that do we need to make a switch at right tackle and go ahead and put Fred Johnson in? in place of Bobby Hart or do we need to just supplement it with maybe Drew Sample, lining up Drew Sample or, you know, CJ Uzama on his side and give him a little extra help or what do you think we should do? Well,
1: they need to do something because Bobby Hart is, oh, there there are words that I want to use that I'm obviously not going to use because he (laughs) played, he was awful yesterday. False start, which was, I believe towards the end of the first half. Or no, it was, actually, it was actually early in the second quarter when the Chargers uh, were stopped on fourth down and the Bengals are moving the ball and the Bobby Hart commits a false start. That can't happen. You should, I mean, look, false starts are going to happen, right? But you're at home and there's, there's no fans that stands and you're at home. Come on now. So, yeah, and Justin, bring, you bring up a great point here. Do we use an extra blocker? You know, because I'm telling you right now, Cleveland's defensive line, they're going to be ready to go. You saw the Chargers, what they did yesterday to Joe Burrow. I mean, they were coming every single way. Linval, it was really the defensive ends in Bosa and Ingram, which we we were concerned about. And rightfully so, the first half didn't play out very well. But um, it's mainly Bobby Hart. I will say this. I thought the offensive line got better in the second half. I thought my first, my first thought after the game was yesterday. The offensive line looked pretty good in the second half. And then later today, I'm like, wait, Burrow got flushed out of the pocket so many times. So I'm like, let me go back and watch that and see if that was actually the case. No. The majority of the times that Burrow got flushed out of the pocket, which I tallied 10, and really one was questionable, and that was late in the game, most of those came in the first half. So that shows that they did make some adjustments. But at the end of the day, with Fila out, Billy Billy Price coming in, that, that's, a, that's a question mark. Yep. Yeah um i mean if you can find a way to work around that but the one thing that joe burrow does is he kind of masks the the offensive line inefficiencies you saw him yesterday he ran for 46 yards he can run the football if he has to pull it down if either a no one's open downfield, or b which was most the case yesterday if he's flushed out of the pocket he can run in fact sometimes i was i wish he hadn't hesitated when he was running So, to answer your question, I'm very concerned about the offensive line. I'd be naive if I wasn't, even though they did look better in the second half. Uh, Especially when you consider that they're going up against Miles Garrett, Larry Ogunjobi, Sheldon Richardson on Thursday night, and they're going to be ready? Because let me tell you, I haven't watched film yet from that game. They got destroyed yesterday by the Ravens. Preston, what do you got?
2: I I was a little bit pleasantly surprised by the offensive line. I still was not impressed by any means, but... I thought that it went a little bit better than I thought it would. In all actuality, just because I mean, if you look at Moven Ingram, outside of that interception, he didn't have a huge play on the game. I mean, he did not have his stats were not huge. Now he he, he made some. He rushed Burrow at times, and Bosa had a pretty good game. But Bob, Bobby Hart was was kind of a rough a rough point um, on that. But and also we talked about um, last Friday. We talked about Joe Burrow being able to run and how that's kind of an underrated. Um, part of his game because he can run as we saw in the first touchdown and I think that, that that also really helped the offensive line as you said and then also I was a little bit um, happy with how Giovanni Bernard and Joe Mixon were able to pick up some blitzes at times and I think we saw that kind of at the end of the game a little bit maybe on that last drive or on the drive before that when Joe threw the interception I was I was uh, very happy with how those guys were able to pick up some blitzes now it's way it's it's nowhere close to where it should be maybe in a few years or where the goal is but i was i was I was happier with the offensive line than I thought I would be,
1: and to consider that this offensive line is mostly the same that they had last year, and they only drafted an offensive lineman in the sixth round and as I'm watching the game yesterday I'm wondering if we should if they should have drafted more offensive linemen. Well, they didn't. They had to address the weakness of linebacker, which I'll say this. I thought Davis Gaither had a nice game yesterday. I thought Josh Bynes had a really nice game yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jermaine Pratt led the team in tackles with 12. I know he's your pick for defensive MVP. The guy who I pick for defensive MVP, Sam Hubbard, outside of a few uh, whiffs at tackling, I thought he played well yesterday. It, I, I do think the—I kind of got off topic there to the other side of the ball, but, <laughs> I mean, it, it definitely— you have to remember that this is the same offensive line that played last year that got better in the second half. Um, I thought Joe Mixon, he didn't play horrible, he, but he didn't have a great game. But keep in mind, you, you, I, I'm really trying to hammer this point home, is were they trying to be not as aggressive tonight or last last night because they're playing on Thursday? And I know it's two games in five days, but think about this. You have, you have 10 days off. 10 days in between your next two games, and you're not traveling very far. You're just going up I 71 to the land.
0: Yeah. And my biggest questions watching this offensive line were, you know, how long is it going to be before Jim Turner's best buddy Bobby Hart gets benched for Fred Johnson? And I also wonder, you know, this team to make any moves in the offseason really for any lineman other than Xavier Suifilo. And you think about guys like Jason Peters who are on the market, think about guys like Trent Williams who were traded to the San Francisco 49ers. You think, we spent all this money in the off season and we definitely addressed needs that we had, but you know, it all starts up front on offensive line and we didn't pit money toward anyone really in the offensive line this off season. And so it's, you know, you're, you're hoping that your defensive, you're, that your defensive side of the ball is going to be better after spending all that money. But is it really going to matter if Burrow's getting hit, sacked four or five times a game? And so it's just really questionable for me because well, the offensive line played better in the second half like we all said how long is it going to be before Joe Burrow gets hurt in the first half after getting sacked by Miles Garrett three times you know so it's really concerning because I just don't think that Jim Turner I, I just feel like he has so much loyalty to Bobby Hart you know I don't know if it's the Florida State ties I don't know what it is but you know I feel like they're, they're gonna to have to do something um, because we cannot start like how we did the uh, against the Chargers and you think about all the opportunities that we might have had you know we were up the majority of the game you know think about what it could have been had the offensive line played you know at least average you know just supplemented a little bit on the uh, the side of the ball where Bosa was rushing you know maybe we could have made some more plays maybe we could have scored some more points and not had to worry about them coming back and you know eventually losing to that you know missed field goal so uh, it, it is very it is very concerning and um but I want to move to the defensive side of the ball. I know you just touched on it a little bit, and like you had mentioned, I, I had Jermaine Pratt as my defensive MVP, and he played very well. I think it was 12 total tackles, about
1: seven solo. Yeah, you're seeing, and I remember when I was watching, there was a play in the game where Austin Eckler he either ran the ball or caught a ball out of, uh, pass out of the backfield. And the one thing that you mentioned, Justin, on Friday was our linebackers' ability to you know, cover running backs, and especially guys like Austin Eckler. Well, what I saw was a guy in Jermaine Pratt who was, uh, you know, he, he looked like he had the speed to keep up with him. So it looks like this linebacking core is much more athletic. It's much more competent even than last year. I mean, who did we have last year? Jordan Evans, Nick, uh, Nick Vigil. Was Hardy good. Nickerson. Okay, wrong. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hardy Nickerson. <laughs> uh, yeah, please. There. Uh, uh, who else Who else do we have? Uh, a bunch of scrubs. Just a
0: bunch of scrubs. A bunch of scrubs. I don't even, I don't even remember at this point. Yeah, but, I mean, but I, go ahead, Justin. I was going to say, just the speed, you could tell that this offensive line, or the, sorry, this linebacking, I was just still thinking about the offensive line, but this linebacking core, you know, you could just tell that they're a lot faster. Uh, I don't know if you remember the play where you just saw Akeem Davis-Gather rushing up the middle and getting a hit on Tyrod Taylor, and, and that was really... Well, he was on snaps, he made, you know, he... Took, he took advantage of his opportunity, and Logan Wilson played well. He had a few good plays in coverage.
1: I didn't really notice him a whole lot throughout the game yesterday. Um, he made a good a couple special teams yeah. plays. I'll tell you who played really well yesterday. Jesse Bates. Oh, made yeah. Made so many plays uh, in coverage yesterday. You know, he broke up a pass on Hunter Henry. He had another one where he came over from the other side of the field. I think it was intended for Mike Williams. He knocked it away at the last second. So you're seeing... Jesse Bates has a nose for the football. He's a ball hawk. Yeah, he's led the team in tackles before. That was because there were so many plays that ended up going to him at that level. But you're seeing he's got range. He's athletic. He's going to make an impact on this defense. I thought he played a really nice game yesterday. Um, overall, the defense to me, I was I was pleasantly, supr- pleasantly surprised because the Chargers, at, when they had their offense going at some point, Joshua Kelly... Got it going. I, I I remember I mentioned his name being a physical guy. Well, he ended up scoring their only touchdown. Uh, interesting how the only two touchdowns that were scored yesterday were by rookies. Yeah, exactly. Joe Burrow and then Joshua Kelly. So I I do think the defense played well. Um, they the end of the first half was was so frustrating because there was Hunter Henry had a catch where he completely got behind everybody at the linebackers and really the secondary too. So. And the fact that there were only 33 seconds left, and they were backed up pretty good, too. That was frustrating. But outside of that, I mean, look, you hold the Chargers to 13 points. Now, I get it. Phillip Rivers is not was not playing under center, but that offense on paper is pretty loaded.
2: Yeah, exactly. And you say the name Jesse Bates, and I thought that he had a fantastic game. I thought that he was all over the field. And I cannot remember if it was him or somebody else that got the uh, necessary roughness call on Mike Williams earlier in the game. Yeah, it was Jesse Bates. It was Jesse yeah. Bates, which I did not agree with. I thought there was no home with contact. It was mostly it was high, but in the shoulder. But you know, it was an, it was an iffy call. And then later in the game, you mentioned that play he deflected on Mike Williams, and they even said during the game it was it was a beautiful play because he he hit he hit Mike Williams high, but he was going for the ball, and it was just a, it was a beautiful play by him, and he crossed the field to make the play. And I think he was he was who really stood out to me on the defense. Um, but then, yeah, as the defense as a whole, and we even uh, the Bengals gave them uh, a couple opportunities and turnovers. Um, and off the Joe Burrow interception, uh, the defense was able to get the ball right back with the uh, to even give Joe Burrow the chance to win the game. And then you talk about um, the f- Joe Mixon fumble, and the defense held him to a, a field goal and on starting on uh, the Bengals side of the fifty. So I was very impressed by the defense and it was I think it was a it was a very uh that was a very good part of the game.
0: Yeah. And I think I'm gonna add a little bit about Jesse Bates here too. I think what he did was he played while well, he did have the unnecessary roughness, but that was such a I thought that was a really questionable call because you saw him lead with his shoulder and he did not leave with he did not lead with his helmet. I think that was a bad call. But I mean, being a referee, I think it's easy to say. They're obviously gonna, you know, err on the side of caution and on the player safety, so I mean, it is what it is, but uh, there's another pass breakup that he had against Mike Williams where he actually, the, I remember the commentators were saying that he was really smart about it because he, at the very end, right before he hit Mike Williams, he went up as if he was going to intercept it, not like just straight on hitting him. So I think that was really good, uh, smart football by Jesse Bates. But just, I think the overall secondary, I think they all played really well. I had William Jackson as one of my two key like, MVPs in this uh, game. I think he played really well. I think he had good solid tackling. He had a couple pass breakups. Um, McKenzie Alexander did his thing. I think he played exactly like how we all expected expected him to, good solid tackling, not giving up many catches, not giving up many yards. Von Bell, he I don't I think it was he played 100% of the snaps. I remember I saw the snap counts earlier and he had played 100% of the defensive snaps and he had a quiet eight tackles. I think he played well. I think this whole secondary played well. And um I think where the real um weakness of this defense is i don't know if you remember when dj reader he got carted off which was really scary ended up just being cramps and he came back like a drive or two later but when it was just christian covington and mike daniels out there this defense looked really vulnerable down the middle because they started as soon as dj reader was out of the game they uh i wish i knew the exact amount of yards that they had but they were just going straight up the middle getting huge chunk plays you know six seven yard runs and i think that's the thing because If you saw the injury report today, Geno Atkins and Mike Daniels didn't practice. Uh, Mike Daniels with a groin injury and Geno Atkins with the same shoulder injury. Um, So depending on Mike Daniels' health and Geno Atkins, it looks like Geno Atkins will probably be sitting out again this week. Who knows, I mean, DJ Reader, Christian Covington, they could probably move Andrew Brown inside. So I think that's, obviously DJ Reader, that's his forte is stopping the run. But I mean, if he's out for a drive or two, that could be a touchdown, two touchdowns. So. Um, it just really depends on if the other team is able to
1: take advantage. I think when, obviously when DJ Reader got hurt, like that was a really concerning moment. I, I, I But I always knew that it was just basically a cramp. Sorry, I'm trying to get the Monday Night Football game on here. As the time of the show is being recorded, the Steelers and the Giants play Monday Night Football. That's obviously important for us to keep an eye on because the Steelers and the AFC North. But what I'm saying, well, that's not going to work. Um, what I'm saying is... That was a concerning moment because you're right, Justin. They did start to go up the middle with Joshua Kelly, and what I saw was I, I thought Mike Daniels played a nice game yesterday. Um, you saw the impact that people forget that Mike Daniels was a free agent sign was a free agent signing because all we're talking about is DJ Reader and the, the success that he had at Houston. Well, Mike Daniels is a veteran player. He's been with the Packers and he's been with the Lions. So I thought that I thought he stepped up yesterday. Gino being out, I didn't think I didn't think it was overly um, noticeable. Obviously, it was, but like I didn't feel like that had a huge impact on the game. You talk about William Jackson. I thought he played well at times. Didn't play well at times. Sometimes he kind of played too far off of Keenan Allen. But um, the one matchup that I did not like at all was Darius Phillips on Mike Williams. Total mismatch. Mm. Mike Williams is this big, tall, strong wide receiver. Darius Phillips is not that big. No. Darius Phillips. Um, is yeah, he's a cornerback, but he also plays special teams, kick returner, punt returner, or mainly kick returner. Only ca- 5, 10, 190. Uh, how big is Mike Williams? Just for the record, uh, that's not that's not you know a matchup that I liked yesterday. Excuse me, but I thought Sam Hubbard got in on the action. Carl Lawson showed some signs at times throughout the game yesterday. He was getting after Tyrod Taylor. Mike Williams 6'4", 218. Th- there you go. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Half a foot taller, almost thirty pounds heavier. What do you expect? Okay, defensively yesterday, uh, there were some positives. There were not some positives. I never felt like they gave up, a, a, you know, several big plays. Like, we saw them give up last year against teams like the Ravens, the Bills, that catched by Dawson Knox that led to the game when he touched down. I mean, you can name several big plays that they gave up on defense last year. But I felt like they, at times, they kept the they kept this team in the game.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think it was interesting that the Bengals had only activated four corners yesterday. It was William Jackson, Darius Phillips, um, Mackenzie Alexander, and I believe uh, Tony Brown was a other was a fourth one. Uh, correct me on that if I'm wrong. But I think it's going to be a lot of you know working with what corners they got. LaShawn Sims obviously didn't play because he was out all week with personal reasons, but he was back at practice today. So I think if you have LaShawn, I think if you have all your corners healthy, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Darius Phillips obviously had a really good year last year with four interceptions. So that's going to be the guy that, you know, you'd like to have in, but I mean, if Sean Sims can come in and make a you know, make plays and, um, you know, then obviously it's going to be just interesting to see what Zach Taylor does in that defensive line and Lou Anarumo. Um, it's going to be, they're going to have to obviously change their schematics and, you know, all that as the season goes on to see what works best for them. Um, yeah. I think overall, I think the defense played well. Um, it, I'm going to go back to the rushing yards because I think when I saw that the Chargers had ran for 155 yards, I was like, "What? 155 yards?" It didn't seem like they ran for that many at all. Um, but I think that this defense—I they, mean, they—I'm going to re, uh, reiterate—they play Ben not break or was it Ben
1: don't break defense? Yeah, I think that's what it is. Yeah. Um, Which is why they is why they kept this team in the game. But you, I, I think, it, 155 yards. Thinking back to the film, thinking back to watching the game again today, it's like the Chargers, they were running the football, they were getting, you know, their largest carries were probably like 10 yards at a time, maybe a few more than that, but like, I never felt like the Chargers got into such a rhythm offensively, like, you know, getting so many chunky yardages, and keep in mind, Mike Williams last year had over 20 yards per catch. I mean, I, I mean that's two first downs right there. Yeah. So, yeah, you mentioned Ben, don't break defense. I thought they did. And, it, again, it kept this team in the game. And there were so many times. You think about after Joe Mixon's fumble, the defense picked this team up in the red zone. It, it could have been 20-13 to 13 like that. No, 16-13. And that allowed Joe Burrow to lead the offense down the field twice into Chargers' territory.
2: Exactly. And, I mean, you say Ben, don't break. And, I mean, in the end, the, what the what the defense's main goal was to do was to keep him out of the end zone besides that one occasion that 's what they did, and they did they got the, they kept getting the ball back to the offense they gave Joe Burrow the chance to win it in the end and I think that was that was like the most important thing i mean especially because i mean the, you didn't have super high expectations of the defense you you would hope to be improved from last year, but I think that they took a big step forward with the game yesterday
0: yeah and I think one of the biggest things that the bengals struggled with a lot last year especially in the Pittsburgh game in week four his misdirection on defense I think that's something that they got killed on you know that was what they're that's why they were giving up 200 plus rushing yards a game and when the quarterback can get out of the pocket when the offensive line is moving with a quarterback um, I think it makes it really vulnerable for you know the Bengals had trouble guarding tight ends last year and Hunter Henry had 70 yards 73 yards this past game with eight targets so I think that's Two things that I'd like to see the Bengals touch up on, because I think that's, I saw a few plays, misdirection where the Bengals gave up, uh, you know, six, seven yard runs to Josh Kelly and Austin Eckler. And then to Hunter Henry, I think they're going to have to do a little better job of covering the tight ends, which is also something they had troubles with last year. But I think if they can clean it up, especially with younger, more athletic linebackers, I think, I think they'll be okay moving forward to uh, um, Cleveland. You know, David Njoku just went on IR today. And Austin Hooper didn't have a big game against Baltimore. Odell was kind of quiet, and so was Jarvis Landry. Um,
1: and so, But that does make you concerned that, you know, they could unload tomorrow. Yeah. Or, you know, because they have three days. I mean, they are really looking, licking their wounds right now. They only have three days to clean this up, and they're not going to face the same Bengals team that they faced last year twice. They're facing a completely different Bengals team that they know because Joe Burrow knows who's the leader of this team that they should have won yesterday. Can we say they should have won yesterday? I, I get it. He, Joe Burrow admitted. We should have put them away early and then meeting the Chargers. Oh, yeah, they should have. I'm going to get to that here in a minute. Because that's part of what I'm... That's the biggest thing that irks in me. Are the chances that the Bengals had to bury this team. They may not be, you know, easily memorable. But when you watch the game back, they're seriously noticeable. That's what I think about when I think about, you know... I think... This well, there's an alert for Monday Night Football. That just came up. Um, How's Big Ben? 14 and four on Monday Night Football. Can you explain? <laughs> uh, can, you, can, you, can you explain that? But would you you talk about
0: you know you talk about the missed opportunities? Would you attribute that to more the Joe Burrow just being a rookie, or would you attribute attribute that to Zach, uh, Zach Taylor's play calling? Because I know you wanted to talk a little about a little bit about Zach calling. I don't play attribute
1: calling. it all to Joe Burrow. Because the mistakes that he made were being aggressive. Yeah. The overthrows, that's aggressive. I can live with those mistakes. Um, it's, Zach Taylor's, it's Zach Taylor's play calling in the second quarter. We, you want to go back to the second quarter. Uh, so let's go to the end of the first half. So the Bengals get the ball with 111. 111 on their own 41-yard line. Every team in the NFL is going to try and score points in that situation, Mm -hmm. or they should. Okay, now, false start five yards pushes you back. That doesn't help. Uzama had a false start. That doesn't normally happen. Okay, you can live with that. Well, you can, (laughs) but you can. Um, Next play, one-yard pass to Bernard. Next play, Uzama five yards out of bounds. Uh, Why are we passing short right and short right to the running back and the tight end? I don't know. Next play, AJ Green incomplete pass. Fourth down. You got to be aggressive in that situation. Oh yeah. And if you're and if you're gonna and if you're gonna run if you're gonna throw a short pass to the right side of the field, why not just run the ball? Joe Mixon's in the backfield. You just extended him four years, forty eight million dollars. Why are you not using one of the best, one of the top ten running backs in the National Football League in that situation? You get okay. Here, here's what here's what should have happened. The Bengals should have had a plan. Brian Callahan, Zach Taylor. They're going to throw the ball on first down. False start, okay. First and 15, rookie quarterback. I get it. Again, it's Joe Burrow. He's a rookie. Keep that in mind. Run the ball in that situation with Joe Mixon. You get seven or eight yards, set yourself up for second and eight. You want to pass on that play short, right? Fine. You want to run it again? You can do that too. Run the football on first down in that situation. That was a missed opportunity. Now, let's go to the other missed opportunities. Second quarter, when it started. The Chargers go for it on fourth down. They miss it. Tyrod Taylor stuffed for a one-yard loss. Great play by Sam Hubbard. Okay, you have the ball on your 40-yard line. You're up seven. You just scored a touchdown. Joe Burrow starting to get into a little bit of a rhythm. Both running and passing, might I add. First play, six-yard run. Next play, one-yard run. Next play, on third and three, a six-yard pass to Giovanni Bernard. Bernard, had he was in a lot on the action yesterday. Oh yeah, Which, I was like, That's why we signed him to a two-year extension. In which I actually just saw
0: that he had just passed James James Brooks for the most all-time receptions by running back in Bengals history. I
1: did see that he was close to that in the media, guys, so that is something to note. So, okay, now you have first and 10 at the Chargers 47-yard line. You have an opportunity with her even if you come away with three points. You get their defense tired, you put yourselves up by 10, and you have confidence. And your defense, by the way, is playing really well. Sack for a three yard loss Bobby Hart with an egregious false start Seven yard run by Mixon Then a sack So two sacks on that drive Killed The Chargers end up scoring in their next possession 11 plays, 74 yards Get a field goal out of it Okay, But now I'm going to bring this up And I brought this up to Sean yesterday And I brought this up on Twitter today And this was talked about on national media should the Bengals have run a play from the 13-yard line after the A.J. Green offensive pass interference? Mm, that's a good
0: question. I don't know. I think that could go either way. It just really depends on how you draw it because obviously it's going to be a shot to the end zone with, what, seven seconds left. And with the way Burrow was getting pressured, he was going to have to get it out early or he was going to take a sack. So I think, personally, if I were Zach Taylor, I think he made the right to, I think he made the right decision going for a field goal. Um, obviously, it just didn't turn out the way they wanted. But I... I wouldn't have gone for it from the 13-yard line.
2: I I kind of wanted to see him go for it from the 13-yard line. I absolutely understand kicking field goal. It's very risky to go for it from the 13-yard line with seven seconds left and no timeouts. That's extremely risky. But I I think that with I mean Joe Burrow just threw a touchdown pass with with a with an inter with a, uh offensive pass interference call that could or couldn't have been called. I think that Joe Burrow's he was in a he was in a rhythm. I think that that I would have gone for, but then again, in this situation, I can absolutely see kicking a field goal. I think that it's it's, a, it's, it's
1: you, up to the You point. can go either way, but at the same time, I think you have to be aggressive in that situation with Joe Burrow as a rookie quarterback. Now, Preston, you hit the uh, nail with the head of the hammer. If you had a timeout in that situation, that opens up so many other options. You can go to Tyler Boyd across the middle. You can go to CJ Uzama. What I would have done on that uh, first-and-goal situation was... I would have done all verticals go and whoever's open, you throw it. Now you could run crossing rounds as Sean mentioned to me yesterday, but I would have done the all vertical play, which is a play that the Bengals ran eleven years ago against the Steelers that won them the game. It was Andre Cole, I'm not sure you you might remember that.
0: When uh, you when you say, say I kinda of think back to the Miami game last year when Andy Dolan hit Tyler Eifert for the touchdown at the end of regulation, uh yeah. to send it to overtime, that like that kinda of,
1: you know, just find the guy open on the goal line. Um but I want to talk about like. Well, I don't mind if I cut you off there. For oh a no, second. good. I, yeah. I was going to say because I still I wanted to see them go for it from the 13 yard line. And I'm going to bring this game up to you. Remember, two years ago at Atlanta, 13 yard line, 12 seconds left, no timeouts. Okay, now obviously 12 seconds, you got a little bit more time on you for a play to unfold. That was the AJ Green really? touchdown, and yep. he's in the exact same spot, little towards, little more towards the inside, but he runs like a. Uh, he he runs like a inside release corner route as Trent Green described it. He called that game, by the way. Yeah. Uh, and obviously Dalton th- Andy Dalton threw it right on right where it needed to be. I would have wanted to see them go for that. I think you can try a play to the sidelines. You can do something, but no timeouts. Why did we waste our last timeout? With six minutes left. Yeah. That's, that's bad coaching. And I, I'm wondering what, why are we calling these timeouts? We were calling timeouts on defense. We caught one on defense in the fourth quarter. You, you talk about, you look at what the Chargers did in the first half. The reason why they were able to go down the field at the end of the first half, 61 yards, is because they had two timeouts. They managed, they, they coached the game situationally better than the Bengals did. Zach Taylor does some, does some good things. But he also does a lot of good things that he needs to improve on. He's... My uncle said yesterday he's a little bit naive to certain situations. You have to be – you have to coach the game. It, it, it is kind of a marathon. Push yourself – do do something earlier in the game that puts you in a position late where you have more opportunities. If you have a timeout in that situation, seven seconds left, I'm taking a shot at the end zone.
0: Yeah, and I think that Zach Taylor definitely – Anthony Lynn definitely won the coaching battle yesterday. But Zach Taylor, I think that he needs to worry about getting Joe Burrow in a rhythm because in Joe Burrow's interview – Post game interview, he said he didn't even really get into a rhythm until fourth quarter in that final drive. That's a problem. And you know what that is going to help him get into a rhythm earlier on in the game, getting the ball out of his hands early. And when you're not getting your hand, when you're not getting the ball out of your hands early and you're getting pressured, that's going to just drop your confidence. You're not going to be, you know, you're not going to be confident in your ability to get to your receivers. And I think that's definitely a fault of uh, Zach Taylor. I'm not sure if that's something that him and Brian Callahan are, you know, working on, but. You think back to like 2015. Um, what was it? Is it Alex Van Pelt uh, was a offense coordinator? For that was Hugh Jackson. Hugh Jackson, or for the Bengals? Yeah, Hugh Jackson. Yeah, for in 2015. And You think about Andy Dalton's success that he had. You know, he was in the MB- MVP conversation through <laughs> eight, eight, nine <laughs> he weeks. He was. We started off eight and zero, and you think about he got the ball out of his hands early, and, you, and we got creative with the ball. And I just didn't see any of that this week with Joe Burrow. And you have a rookie quarterback who can obviously sling it. He was the number one pick for a reason.
1: I just don't know. Like we mentioned earlier, are we saving it for the future weeks, or are we just? Will not- you be saving it? you would be saving it for Thursday night, which you are gonna need some creativity because let me tell you, we, I said I've said it already on this show. The Browns' defensive line with the guys that they have—they're licking their chops. Miles Garrett's probably thinking, Phew, Bobby Hart, please bring him on." Uh. Larry Joby's probably thinking the same thing with, you know, this Bengals offensive line that, yes, is going to have to step up. And you can think, well, you know, how do you be creative when you have a great pass rush? By all means, get creative. A.J. Green can run those short inside slants. You have Tyler Boyd who can run crossing routes. You know, if, you, if you're if you able to establish that, you know, the Browns, might, the Browns might go soft on their... Okay, the Giants are up three-nothing. That's good. Um, this is... At the time that this show is being recorded, Monday Night Football is just starting with the Steelers and the Giants. You're seeing, if you are able to establish your your quick passing game, could we maybe see the Browns drop Miles Garrett and Larry Ogunjobi back? And then, okay, you talk about the run establishing the pass, kind of reverse that a little bit. If you get the quick pass game going, that's going to open the door for Joe Mixon, who I think, you know, I don't know what kind of game he's going to have Thursday night. I'm kind of questionable because you're going on the road, but... Yesterday, Joe Mixon looked pretty good. Yeah, and you want to talk about opportunity? Another missed opportunity. So I want to go back to the third quarter. Okay, you're up ten to six. The next possession, they go from the thirty-two to the Chargers' twenty-five yard line. They're running the football. At one point, it was it was six run plays and two passing plays. Just keep running the football. We talked about getting into third and manageable. Third and two from the twenty-five yard line. Why are you not running the football there? I understand you just done. Two run plays to get you in a third down. You want to keep the defense honest by testing them with the pass. Okay. Again, keep in mind, rookie quarterback, keep winding the clock down. You're At that point, you're at 141 to go in the third quarter. You run the ball, clock keeps running. You can get that down to the end of the third quarter, and you still have the ball. Instead, at the end of the third quarter, the Chargers, yes, aided by a 46-yard kickoff return by Joe Reed. Uh, they were already at... The Bengals 29-yard line because you passed the ball. Situational. And it's not just in the fourth quarter that we're talking situations. We're talking that situation. Know what's working for you offensively. At that point, Joe Mixon had 15 carries, and he was playing really well. That drive alone, he had... I thought he had a, a a night a long run earlier. Maybe that was on their second. I believe his drive. long
0: was a fourteen yard run.
1: Yeah, and that was a good run. But on this possession, he had one minus one. That wasn't very good. Big third down pass to Tyler Boyd on that drive. That was his first target. Five yard run, four yard run. Uh, four. He had a fourteen. And that was no, that was a short pass to Aj Green. Excuse me. Three yard run, five yard run. So he's running the football. You know, not you know like seven or eight yards to carry, but still moving the ball, positive yards. Run the football on that third down. Like, you know, have a game plan, stick to it, don't be afraid to make adjustments. Stop coaching conservatively if you're Zach Taylor. You have talent this year, okay? Last year, he was coaching aggressive with no talent. So why are you not doing that this year? I get it, Joe Burrow's a rookie quarterback, but you have to kind of keep playing that mind game with yourself. He's Joe Burrow. Okay, that situation, you want to keep running with Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon is a valuable running back,
2: you talk about missed opportunities, um, and I was thinking about the game, kind of re- reflecting on the game the other day. And I think I think it's, it's a little bold to say, but I think that the Bengals win that game nine times out of ten, maybe even more. I mean, you think about the missed opportunities they had, and there's three instances that stand out to me completely. Um, they're pretty obvious instances, is when John Ross drops a touchdown pass. And, I mean, Joe Burrow kind of blamed that pass on him, but, I mean, that's just Joe Burrow being Joe Burrow. That was a drop touchdown pass. The next play, then, is on Joe Burrow. He overthrows A.J. Green. I think we settled for a field goal that drive, if I'm correct. Um, so we don't punch the ball in the end zone. And then Joe Mixon's fumble. I mean, that's that's just something that really really shouldn't happen. I mean, Joe Mixon never fumbles. I mean, that was a very big surprise that Joe Mixon fumbled that football. And then, obviously, at the end. And I think that that... That play with AJ Green, I mean, that's a 50-50 call either way. I mean, that's 50-50. Either they're kicking a field goal and going to overtime, hope you would think, or the Bengals win the game. And that's basically a 50-50 call in my in my opinion. And then obviously the kick at the end, um, which we've done a good job staying away from, I think. Yeah. Uh, the kick at the end, and if it I mean, that you would ex- expect that one to go yes. through, and then the Bengals in overtime, you'd have no clue. So I think saying that the Bengals win that game nine times out of ten is I think I think that they do win
1: that game. Yeah. No, I think you're right, because who would have said that they were gonna drive down the field and miss a thirty one yard field goal? And by the way, we did we did do a good job, staying away from that. Uh, egregious missed kick. I mean that's like that's like watching Shane Graham in two thousand six miss a thirty nine yard field goal, which I think no, it was not in the same end zone. I don't believe it was. It might have been actually. Was it the one against the Houston Texans? I was talking about the one against the Steelers in 2006 that could have sent the Bengals to the playoffs. Oh, no. And everything else that needed to happen for us to quench a playoff berth that day did, except the Bengals winning. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it's a 31-yard field goal, and you had made 50 and 43. Like, I wasn't even nervous at, that ki- at the 31-yard kick. I was nervous on the two other ones that were longer because Brandy Bullock can miss. Which, by the way, he needs to go.
0: Yeah, I think...
1: He's missed too many critical kicks in his career. And...
0: You know, I was looking at all the tweets today. He said that it was his left, his, it was his left leg in the post game interview. But you see him after the kick, he's grabbing his right leg, and then today they say it's both in the uh, injury report, plural calves. What's that all about? You know, I mean, is he lying? Is he is a picture that we saw just kind of misleading? Was he actually reaching for one? But I, I really don't know. So no,
1: what he did. Let me tell you, we got seven, about seven minutes left. Let me tell you what he did. You watch the replay of the kick. He knows it's going wide right as soon as he kicks it. He, he's, he, like, he bends over in disappointment. He's not hurt. His pride is hurt.
0: <laughs> and if, and he- if he
1: is hurt, maybe he should be in better shape. <laughs>
0: and he wouldn't be kicking on. No, yeah,
1: he kicked a fifty and forty-three yard field goal. Stop trying to tell me that he's hurt. Now, you have to take the other grain of salt unfortunately because when someone tells you they're hurt, you know, they might actually be. But we know if you watch the replay, he's not injured. He's I don't want to say faking it. He's just hurt that he missed a field goal that he knows he should have made because he's missed so many kicks prior to the one he missed yesterday in his career. Remember last year in the season opener?
0: Yeah. Missed he, a
1: 45. Yeah. Oh one point game and you miss a 45 yard field goal. What it won, 23-21. Okay, let's go to 2018. Remember the uh he missed a 53 yarder against the Ravens mm-hmm. at Baltimore. Three point game. He missed a 50 yarder, 52 yarder might have been against Carolina in 20 in week three. Now that was a 10 point game, but still, you could have had a chance to tie it at the end of the game. Yeah. Seven point game. Randy Bullock has missed too many critical—oh, uh, his second game with the Bengals on Christmas Eve. The Bengals were out of contention, but they had a chance to beat the Texans on the road. 43 yards, and he pulls it wide right.
2: I remember that. Yeah, and I think that the, the, the worst feeling about that, that whole—the that, end of the game is when they put the camera on Joe Burrow. And I think it just kind of shows everything. <laughs> the Bengals get the number one draft pick. They go with the guy— that just has the head on his shoulders in Joe Burrow. And then he comes in, and this first game, it just it felt different a little bit at times. Uh, the whole Bengals, just the way they were playing, just felt different at times. And the way that they drove down the field at the end, you get A.J. Green back, everything's going good. Then you get a, an iffy call, and it looks like it's going to, it looks like the Bengals are going to win, iffy call, that's fine, let's go to overtime. And then just for it to end like that is just, is just very unfortunate. You know, just it, take it out of the hands of, Of the quarterback, take it out of the hands of of a defense of a receiver, and you just miss a kick. I mean, that's that's stuff that happens. I mean, I I mean, you want to believe him. It's tough to believe him when you watch the replay. Um, But I just hope that 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 the way that game ended um, is something that and and I know Joe Burrow's that way. I mean, something that the team can you know build on and really just use that as fuel to the fire.
1: If you didn't believe that the game of football can come down to the kicker before, you better believe mm-hmm. it now. And as we go into the final few minutes of our show... I wanna... Let me say something really quick. It's it, it, you, it's not an added bonus to have a good kicker on your roster. It's crucial to have a kicker, good kicker on your roster. Excuse me. Will Lutz made a 58-yard field goal to win a game last year on, on Monday Night Football Week 1. Michael Bashley made a 59-yarder against the Bengals two years ago. That was a 5-point game. Three points in a 5-point game is crucial. Sorry to cut you off there. No, I was
0: just gonna say, as we're going to say, as we going into the final few minutes of our show, I didn't mean to cut you off, but yeah, definitely uh, having the kicker is going to be the crucial part of your team that you don't, you know, you think that any guy could step in and be that guy because being an NFL kicker can't be that hard, right? Everyone always says, well, I can make that kick. Well, no, you can't because these guys are getting paid, you know, millions of dollars to do this thing. So, but as we are go into the final few minutes of our show, I just want to touch on what things do we want to see differently going into Thursday? What things do we want to see stay the same and what? our expectations on Thursday.
1: As far as what I want to see differently, I want to see aggressive play calling. I want to see them open the playbook for Joe Burrow. Colin Coward brought up a great point yesterday. If you watched Kyler Murray yesterday, which by the way, he played incredible yesterday for the Arizona Cardinals. did that long touchdown run. Coward said they gave him the playbook. He went out there and he led that team with no restrictions. So I want to see aggressive play calling. I want to see... Joe Burrow would just be the 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 leader that we know him as. I want to see Joe I want to see Joe Mixon, obviously. I want to see Um the offensive line somehow praying that they protect Miles Garrett and Larry Ogunjobi. that they keep Larry Ogunjobi, Miles Garrett, and Sean Richardson at bay. And just don't be afraid to be aggressive. This Browns team has gaping holes on defense. Their offense is Way overhyped and overrated, I think, based on the stats that went up based on yesterday. So that's what I want to see.
2: I want to see the defensive backs uh, play just like they did the other day, flying around the field, you know, Jesse Bates, Von Bell, all those guys, you know, flying around the field, containing OBJ, containing Jarvis Landry. You know, I I, I, I thought that was very refreshing to see in the game the other day, and that's what I want to see again, and that's something that they probably need to do when you have guys like OBJ and Jarvis Landry on the edge. Uh, well, I, I, another thing that I want to see a little bit differently is, or not really differently, but just the progression to Joe Burrow, which I think is expected I mean, like I said, I expected him to play the way he did a little bit in Game 1 and I want to see him just keep progressing and I think that he will I think that he is showing all the signs of doing that um, and so week, week 2, I just want to see him take the next step you know, hopefully see him throw a touchdown pass in Week 2, something we haven't seen yet and I, I'm, very, I'm very excited for this Thursday night game I think it's a very exciting game
0: Yeah, me too. I'll make mine real fast. I just want to see us open up the playbook more. I want to see more shots down the field, and I definitely want to see Joe Burrow get the ball out of his hands faster. And I pray, I pray, I pray that we can at least just play at least somewhat average offensive line football. I think that if we can just contain Miles Garrett just a little bit, that this offense is going to be completely different than what it was week one. I think that we're going to be able to show how elite and talented that this offense is, that everyone thought it was going into this going into the season that everyone thought it was his offseason. I want to see that Joe Burrow and Tyler Boyd connection that everyone says. I want to see Joe Mixon play as if he just got that four-year, $48 million contract extension. So I think that that's just – I think if we can do that, I think that it's going to be an easy win for us. But thank you, everybody, for listening. I am Justin Cashman. He is Alex. I am Preston. Did you say you're
1: Preston? (laughs) I'm Preston. Yeah.
0: He is Alex Frank. He is Preston. Yes, Preston Stover. <laughs> and, and, uh, okay, this, we've only done this a couple times, so I just didn't know how everyone wanted to sign off.
1: Okay, okay, we're good. <laughs> we'll, we'll see you all for the preview show later this week.